I greet you all in the blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now we continue in studying about poor in spirit and blessed in receiving and having the kingdom of God. Before we go further, let us all turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for journey mercies in the wet weather and safely to thy house, the house of prayer tonight. We do come seeking once again for your thorough cleansing and washing of all our sins of the day, of the week. Lord, that this gathering will be pleasing to you. And Lord, especially that your Holy Spirit would work freely in our hearts, convicting us, Lord, of our sins and showing us the way to walk in this world, how to be poor in spirit, and therefore to know the blessedness of having your kingdom. Lord, we do ask that you remove all distraction and tiredness of the body, Lord, that the young ones and at every age, elderly, middle-aged, Lord, we will all truly learn from your word. May your word take effect in our hearts and transform us. Lord, we need to understand your word that we may live this life not without regrets. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so please remember, <clears throat> I keep repeating this, poor in spirit, it is not just simply thinking that we are not so well off um, in a spiritual sense, but it is literally meaning beggarly, all right? This word refers to someone who truly knows and believes that he is devoid of anything um, useful, and he needs, he needs God to give him, all right? And truly know that he is, he or she is, Really nothing, nothing. You imagine the most miserable, the poorest beggar possible on earth. Uh, this is lower than that. That is the meaning of this word, all right? So it's not <clears throat> simply I don't have some things, but it's I have nothing, all right? So please remember that. Now, <clears throat> we continue to then ask, now what, is, what are some of this blessedness in for in this term, for theirs is the kingdom, that's the kingdom of heaven. What are included in there? Now, tonight, we move to another aspect of the blessedness and the prerequisites to have that blessedness, all right? So, what I'm trying to say is, we will study other aspects of poor in spirit and what is the blessedness that will come with it? And tonight, we are going to focus on one aspect in life. Now, if I were to ask you, what is the most blessed thing? for a Christian on earth and into eternity. What would be the most blessed um, state on earth and into eternity? Well, I hope you don't say that we are not going to hell, all right? God did not save us just to help us to avoid hell. It is far greater than that, all right? Blessedness, avoiding hell brings blessedness, yes, but it is not the end purpose of God. That is a far greater blessedness, all right? So what is the most blessed thing a Christian can be doing on earth um, and then into eternity? What do you think it is? Maybe I try someone. You, you just imagine um, to have a life, and that is the world's desire. Like just now we sing about um, peace, peace, wonderful peace, right? Coming down from heaven above. Now, People long to have a life where they say they have no struggles on earth. They don't struggle about not getting what they want. They don't 
have fears, doubt. They don't keep wondering, well, is this the best? I, I'm, I don't know what to do. Um, or have no regrets. Right? At the end of their life, they have no regrets at all. Right? This is such a blessed life. Right? This is what people of the world want to have. They will even say, like I've mentioned, this is like heaven on earth. Well, how can you have the kingdom of God while you live on earth? What do you think is the most blessed thing for a Christian to be doing? Pichen. Able to walk closely with God, yes. Very good. And you walk closely with God when you're doing what? Here you try Shane. What do you think? The most blessed thing is that I, if I, I just want to do that in my entire life till I die. Say again? Worshipping God, all right. Now, it is actually related to the topic we just covered. Doing the will of God. Doing the will of God. Now, as we studied about the will of God, there are things that we begin to realize that, well, the Christian can struggle against the will of God. Isn't it true? That is why there were many questions submitted relating to, well, what about this? What about that? You know, I struggle with this. Struggles. What about fears and doubts? Well, if you are doing God's will, you know you have no fears, no doubts. You pass through this life like the Apostle Paul, that no matter what happened in his life, no matter what was ahead in his life that seemed so negative, well, there were no fears. No fears in the sense of there was no doubtfulness. He said, I'm going. You know what, how, how wonderful it is to live such a life. And at the end of it, he says, well, I've come to the end of my ministry. I've run the course, right? And say so he has no regrets. Now, this is the best experience of kingdom, the kingdom of heaven on earth in your life, doing the will of God. When a Christian is doing God's will, that is the best of the kingdom of heaven. I want to say that again. When a Christian is doing the will of God, that is the best that he receives in the kingdom of God. You are not only in the best will, you are also doing the best thing. And it will be the best for your eternity. All right? Now, so tonight we want to learn. When God says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven, right? Now, how can I have this blessedness? What is this poor in spirit? When I'm walking, when I'm, sorry, when I'm, when I'm living my life on earth, how should I be in terms of my spirit so that the will of God will be wonderful in my life? I will be doing the will of God till I die. It's no struggle for me. What kind of spirit must I have? Well, you know, in order to have no struggle, no fears, no doubts, no regrets, when we walk on this earth in His will, we need to have, of course, many attitudes, but I can only cover three tonight. Firstly, I believe we need to have this spirit, this beggarly spirit, this beggarly attitude that I am nobody. I am nobody. You want to have a life that has no struggles, no fears, no doubts, no regrets? It begins here. Like a beggar, I am nobody. You ever think of a beggar who thinks he walks around and feels he's somebody? No, the beggar... When they see properly dressed people, they feel very out of place. They go hide. 
Because they always know in their heart, I am nobody. I, I don't deserve to be among somebody. I'm nobody. All right? They often crouch in dark corners. In the corners, that, that's where they often feel, well, I'm nobody. This is where, this is where I belong. They don't go to um, huge, nice shopping malls. They feel that I'm nobody. It's too, it's too, I don't belong there. It's shameful for me to be there. Nobody. Now, how does this cause you to have no struggle? When you walk on earth, when you see God's will for you, how will this help you, this kind of I'm nobody, beggarly spirit help you in having no struggles? Now, because this beggarly spirit is opposed to pride, it's the opposite to pride, it's the opposite to um, vanity, very vain, thinking I'm somebody. It's opposite to ambitions, all right? It's the opposite of it. I'm, I'm a beggar. I'm nobody. I, I don't even think of being proud. Those things don't even occur to me. I don't even think about um, being ambitious. These are not things that, that occupy my mind at all. Now, as a result, as a result, well, firstly, you won't have the feeling of worthiness to pursue what you believe you deserve. I say again, because of this beggarly spirit, I'm nobody. Therefore, you don't feel that you are worthy to pursue what you believe you deserve. I have a right to be this. I have a right to be doing that. I have a right to be somebody. Now, as a result of this, this feeling, I'm not worthy to, to say, I, I want to be this, I want to be that. You will have no struggle with God's will. Because whatever God ordains for you, you won't even think about questioning God because you are nobody. You just, you just go ahead and accept what God gives you. You don't keep thinking, well, Lord, you know, this thing that you chose for me, whether it's singlehood or whether it is um, someone who's not having good health or someone who's not so rich or someone who is, well, not in certain profession. When I look at others, there are this, there are that. Or my children are not this or that. My family is, uh, is not this or that. You don't have such thoughts that whatever God ordains for your family, for your personal life, for your um, job, for where He puts you, you just simply say, I'm nobody. You do not struggle. Why do people struggle with the will of God? Because intrinsically, we are not beggarly in spirit. We feel that we deserve more than what God ordains for ourselves or for our family. This beggarly spirit do not make you feel that I need to, well, I have my own directions, my own um, um, pursuits in life, purposes in life that I want to fulfill. You see, I have all these dreams. I have all these things that I want to accomplish in life. I want to be this and that. But once you say, I have no worthiness to pursue anything. You imagine you walk up to a, a, a poorest of the poor beggar on the street and he, you think he's going to have a conversation with you and say, you know, I have this, I, have this, I should be this, you know, I'm worthy to be this and that. I'm somebody. Those are not thoughts they have in their minds. So that's the first one. This spirit of I am nobody and therefore I have no worthiness to pursue anything that I think that I should have. No struggle. Now then the second thing, 
is I have no worthiness, right? I have no worthiness to be anything. It's not just to pursue, all right? Not only you don't pursue, you don't even think I, I deserve to be somebody. You see, nobody is who I am and that is what I truly am all my life. Well, you will not struggle, but rather you will accept whatever God ordains for your life before the foundation of the world. You realize that, right? God says he already, fought, he already have us in mind. He already knew us, knew as in he has already planned for us what he intends for us in our lives, our family, our singlehood. Now, you will just accept that. God, I, I don't aim to be this person or that person or to be like that person or this person. I don't have this ambition to, um, to um, pursue this and create this so that I eventually become, not just pursue, I won't stop pursuing until I become this. Young ones, students, it's not just only about I'm nobody and therefore I've um, no worthiness to pursue. I'm not saying that you don't study and then you don't, you don't plan. You pray and you plan and you, you embrace God's will. But sometimes you can already have this preconceived idea in your mind. Adults as well, when you're coming out to work, you have this preconceived idea of, of, well, during interviews, people like to ask you, right, what do you see yourself to be in three years' time, in five years' time, and all that? Well, that's how the world would, would think. And sometimes they'll feel, well, if you have no ambition, then you obviously are not going to be much use to us. They look for people that are, that are striving, all right, to be someone. Now, I'm not saying that we, that, that we don't work well, but we do everything not to be someone, not to pursue to become someone, something. I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a teacher, a musician, whatever it is. You have these preconceived ideas that is why when eventually God leads you and God shows you and God brings you to a stage of life, you begin to feel that, well, um, that is not what I intended to be in life. I don't intend to be single. I don't intend to be um, um, a mother. I don't intend to be this and that. I don't intend to be just an engineer. I must be... Uh, CEO, you know, all these kind of things. Then you will struggle. Nobody. I'm nobody. And therefore, whatever God ordained for me, while I keep doing His will, keep um, doing everything for His glory, whatever I become that He chooses for me, I embrace. I embrace. You know, there was one question that was submitted when we, a um, long time ago, when we did um, the topic on boy-girl relationship. Um, after that, the person asked, I, well, I am, well, I'll use that example for the next one, all right? I'll come to that for the next one. But let me move on, all right? Now, then the third, the third thing, all right, the third area, God is everything, right? I am nobody, and therefore God is everything. God is all important, and I am less than nothing before God, right? 
God is everything. God is all important. I am less than nothing. Everything is about God. I am a nobody. Now, when you have that attitude, isn't it natural that you won't struggle, right? You won't struggle. I notice that usually the unhappiest employees that I've come across, the unhappiest employees are people who keep thinking they are somebody, they intend and they are striving to be somebody, and also that whatever they do is all about them. It's not everything is about the company. These are people that are usually the unhappiest at the workplace. Unhappiest. It's the same in life. A beggarly spirit where you think, I am a nobody. Well, God is really everything. He's the most important. He's the most important. I have no will of my own. Everything is about His will. Now, when you are like that, remember we studied in the first Peter, God says, who will God exalt? He say, the one that, is, that will humble themselves under his mighty hand. Humble themselves under his mighty hand. You remember what that means? It means God is, is absolutely almighty. He is the greatest. And I humble myself. I become like a beggar. I'm nobody under his mighty hand. I'm nobody. And I just submit to his will. See, that's why you will not have struggles. You want to have a life that has no struggles? Then be nobody. Be nobody. Genuinely be nobody and have that spirit. Well, you will humbly bear whatever God bears, whatever God lays on your life. Whether it's health, whether it's intelligence, whether it is whatever it is, achievements, um, financial situation, you will just humble yourself under what He chooses for you. Because we are nobody, right? You imagine a beggar. He negotiates with you, he argues with you about what you should give him. It'll be the most ridiculous situation, isn't it? You say, well, I'll give you somewhere to stay, all right? I'll let you stay um, in the shed outside my house. Will he, will he argue? Or he just humbly, thankfully say, oh, thank you very much. Now then, the next one. Now when we have this kind of attitude. In fact, instead of being, instead of struggling, you will be very grateful. Grateful for whatever God ordains and chooses for your life rather than struggle against it because you know that God is almighty, God is, everything is about God, then you are so thankful that God even paid attention to choose something for you. You are so thankful that God even bothered to think about you before the foundation of the world. And therefore, whatever He has chosen as His will for your life, whether it's something in your daily life, whether it's eventually your, your, your life, you will just say, God, I don't even deserve your attention. Thank you that you have a will for me. Because you are nobody, you will think like that. Now, then, finally, about nobody. Now, the poorer you are in spirit, the poorer you are in spirit means the more you and I really not, not pretentiously or half-heartedly or, or um, superficially think we are nobody. But when we are truly poor in spirit, the poorer we are in spirit, the more beggarly we are and think we are nobody, the reality is instead of struggles, 
struggle with the will of God, having those attitudes that we spoke before, you embrace, you embrace the will of God. You embrace it. The reason why many people are not happy with their life is they do not embrace what is ordained for them in their lives. Why? Because they think they're somebody. We think we're somebody. God, I don't deserve to be this. God, I did a lot of things in my life. I, I have this, I have that qualification. I don't deserve to be nobody. I'm somebody. Now, sometimes when we organize church camp activities, um, duties, duties, all right? Um, so I look at who they ask to arrange things, and I notice um, they usually um, get maybe the teens or the um, young adults or the teens usually to arrange to arrange the chairs in the morning in the, in the worship hall, right? So sometimes I wonder, well, do they feel like, well, why, why is it me? You know, this menial task, they come early in the morning. What I observe is they just come in, they do not ask, you know, why, why me? They just come in and they feel, oh, this is what I, I get to do, and then they're just busy doing it. They just embrace whatever is, is assigned to them. Because at their age, they still feel, I'm nobody. Do you feel nobody, teens? I'm nobody. That's why arranging chairs for nobody. No problem. You see, they joyfully do it. And in fact, the older we get, I think that is our problem. We begin to think, based on our life, based on our experience, we are somebody. That is why when we find out what God wants us to be, and we don't like it, we struggle. We struggle. Now, sometimes even... Um, even what kind of child you have, what kind of family you're born into. Now, all these kind of things, if Peter, God, is your will. I'm nobody. This is what you chose for me. That's it. I happily do it. I have no preconceived ideas of what I should be, what I must be. Now, then the next one, all right? The next one. Well, besides being nobody, and therefore you will have no struggles, you will embrace God's will instead, now, this one is no choice. No choice. I have no expectations of having a choice. Because you are a beggar, I have no expectations of having a choice. I'm, I'm a beggar and there is no choice. No such thing as I expect to have choices in life. What I get. Now, that is a true beggarly spirit. Beggarly spirit. Now, when we truly feel, believe, embrace that I have no choice, I have no say because I'm a beggar, then you will not be feeling that you deserve to ask anything specifically for your life. You won't in prayer keep saying, Lord, I want to have this, I must have this, Lord, why not this? Lord, this, please. Or Lord, please, not this. I don't want this. Now, one who is a beggar, beggarly spirit that just always feels, I have no choice, you do not argue with God. You do not challenge God. You do not bargain with God. You do not feel that you need to um, ask God, why, why, why? Because you say, I don't have a choice. Well, a beggar that walks into a shop, right, Whatever the shopkeeper says, oh, this is for you. 
He don't look around and say, no, I want that instead. A true beggar who really has nothing and really knows he is desperate. Without someone's mercy, he has nothing. He will just thank the person, take it and go. He don't say specifically, I want that thing. All right? Now, when we are not beggarly in spirit, we begin to have this imagine, I want this, I want this, I want this. And when God doesn't give it to us, we struggle with His will. Isn't it true? We struggle with His will. So, I don't deserve to ask anything specific for my life. Whatever God has chosen for me before the foundation of the world, it doesn't occur to me to have to ask Him why. I don't struggle. I don't struggle. I don't ask this question. Why, why, why? And then you struggle. He has ordained this before the foundation of the world. I'm so thankful that he even thought of me. I'm a beggar that is not going to ask him for anything specific. Now then the next one, about no choice. About no choice. Um, now you won't have the attitude of, well, um, yeah, okay, this is God's will for me. I can see that but I am not very excited about it. I'm not very thrilled about it. That is the attitude um, of one who will eventually struggle. Right? So this was where the question came in. All right, say, well, you know, we studied about singlehood. Um, it's clear, I understand. And now I begin to realize singlehood is a gift from God. All right? We studied in First Corinthians, singlehood is a gift from God. means God says, well, before the foundation of the world, I, choose, I chose a gift for you. All right? I chose a gift for you. And this is my good gift that I chose specifically for you. It is a gift from God. And He will enable you right, to, to receive and bear that gift. But when we don't think that we are, we are beggars that actually do not have a choice, we will begin to say, yeah, I, I know that is what you chose for me, but I'm not very keen on it, right? So you're the, you're the shopkeeper, the beggar comes in, and then you've been looking around, I know the beggar, I'm going to choose this for the beggar, all right? Chose this for the beggar. He comes in and he said, well, I, I can see that you, you have chosen that for me, but you know, really, this is, this is not very thrilling to me. It's not very exciting. Instead of... The, the joy of the kingdom of heaven, receiving the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is full of joy, not full of, well, we studied last week, discontentment. So you will feel that, well, God, why did you choose this for me? Whatever it is in life. Now, this includes preceptive will, all right? You know that in certain things in life, what are God's um, will, known will? They say, well, I know that it's God's will that if I'm in this in this um, situation, then this is what I need to be, need to do, um, whether it's a student, whether it's an adult, uh, whatever it is. You say, I know, but I'm not thrilled. There's no joy of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is supposed to be filled with joy for you. No joy, no joy. Well, we all have this idea, right? Who we are to marry. What kind of person? Oh, God, you chose this. I'm not very thrilled. What country we live in, what house we can, live, we can afford, what health, what condition, how we die. Very often when I speak with elderly, they say, you know, Pastor, this is my, this is my 
this is why I ask of God all the time. I say, what? Say, I ask God to let me die in my sleep peacefully. Right? So, you see, you can understand. All of us have this expectation that, God, you may choose something for me, but I want to ask something specific from you. I, that is what I want. Rather than say, God, whatever is your will, I, have no, I am not here to negotiate or to what. Just, just give me the, the joy, the joy of going through whatever you have already chosen for me. So don't, when we don't have that beggarly spirit, some of the elderly, as they grow older, they, they get sad, they get worried. And they say, oh no, the doctor told me I have this, this illness. I probably will die of this illness. It's very painful, it's very, it's very shameful. It's very, what? Then they begin to become very unhappy in their late years. Right? So we even want to tell God how we want to die. Um, how God has chosen, what God has chosen, He has chosen. Don't struggle. All right? Like Peter, Christ told him, you will die. They will bind you up when you're old and they will force you. All right? And he knows that it's crucifixion. He never murmured about it. He knew about it. He never, for a single moment, said, I'm not so thrilled about that. I know God has chosen for me. No, he finished, he, he lived his life um, zealously for the Lord. Right? So we embrace the will of God and have joy. You won't struggle. Then the next one. Well, we have nobody. We have no choice. Now we come to this. We have no wisdom. When you have a spirit, a beggarly spirit, I have no, I possess no wisdom to choose for myself. I possess no wisdom to know what is good for myself. I possess no wisdom to know in this situation or whatever God has given me, I have no wisdom to question why this is so in my life. I have no wisdom. I, have, I do not know any better at all. Now, that is a beggarly spirit of I possess no wisdom. Until we are like that, we will also struggle against God's will. We will not have the kingdom of heaven on earth when we live on earth, the joy and walking in His will. Now, Why? Now, with respect to no wisdom, when you, have, when you are like that, now the opposite is going to happen. The opposite is this. You have no fears. You have no doubts. Why? Why do you think so? Well, earlier on I say, nobody, you have no struggle. Um, when it comes to um, no expectation, you have no struggle. But when you have no wisdom, when you truly say, I've, I genuinely believe and I genuinely um, accept and, and really know that I have no wisdom, you will have no doubts or fears. Say, so how is it so? Isn't it wonderful to walk this life on earth having no doubt or fear? You thought that you normally think, if I, if I have wisdom, um, fleshly wisdom, eh, um, then I, I will be very clear and I will be, be very confident and I have, I have joy. No, the opposite is true. Now, for example, for example, the first one. When you always assume and know that you, have, you are poor in wisdom and that you do not know what is good for you, then you will always believe that God knows what is best for you. Now, we keep encouraging you to memorize what is God. God is infinite, right? In one characteristic that is wisdom, infinite in His wisdom. I am infinite in my stupidity. My lack of wisdom, I am infinite in that. 
Now, when you are like that, then you will feel very safe with whatever God chooses for you because you know that you don't trust yourself to choose. You don't trust what you feel, what you believe is good and right for your life and your child's life. You don't. You don't. God, but you know, the world is like that. The world does this. But in my thinking, you don't. You don't ask. But, you know, practically, that's not. You don't. Whatever is in the Word of God, say, God, you are the wisest. The world don't live like that. The world don't believe in that. I myself don't believe in that. But God, it does not matter. You are the wisest. And therefore, whatever you ask me to do, however you ask me to live, the known will of yours are so clear, those must be the best will possible to live. Because I don't know any better. I don't know anything, Lord. I don't know. See, when you're so baggily, when you're so baggily, you will, you will, instead of struggling, you'll be so thankful that, Lord, I am so thankful that you chose for me. I don't have to choose for myself. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to seek God's will, find God's will. That's why we study it. You seek and you find it because you want to know what God chose. Because you know that that is the best thing. That is why you're seeking that. You say, I don't want to have to choose for myself, Lord. Please, I want to find out what you chose for me and I want to do it. I trust that the most. That's why you have no fears. No fears. You don't keep wondering, is this the best? Is this the best? You have no doubts. Once you find it, well, the known will of God, the precepts of God, He said, command, this is how you ought to be. This is what you, how you need to live as a single, as a married person, as a student, as an elderly. Those known will is the best. Now, the next one is this about no wisdom and therefore you have no struggle is now you also trust that God is infinite in his goodness God is infinite in his goodness and that is one of the characteristic of Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism um, definition God is infinite in his wisdom uh, in his wisdom and his goodness goodness now once you believe that I have no wisdom to choose what is good. I don't even know what is good. I may think I know. I may see that these things are good, but God, I do not trust my wisdom because I have none. And God, whatever you have chosen for me, it is the best. It is good. It is the best will for my life, living on earth. That is why a Christian who is like that is someone that will have the kingdom of heaven on earth in his living. Now, one of the things that the world constantly teach us today, and students in school, I think you're familiar with this, now is constantly, don't let anyone tell you what to do. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. You need to be what you want to be. Be what you want to be. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Now, of course, if the Christian said, I won't let the world tell me how to live my life. I just want to live my life according to the Word of God. That is correct. But that is not what they are propounding. They may even in some area make it sound right. Now, don't let people force you to be this or be that. You know, you need to make your own decisions to some extent that is true. But the spirit has become so extreme today. Is even if it is a right thing, a good thing, I must not let anyone tell me what to do. Now, this breeds the opposite of 
poor in spirit where I have no wisdom. I only trust the Word of God and what God's will for me is my, in my life. You will slowly, slowly, slowly begin. Now, teens and young people, if you're not careful, you will slowly read the Bible and say, why, Lord? Why, why, why do you say that is good? I, I don't quite agree without even realizing it. God, you want us to be this, want us to be that. It's always about one us to be this and that. But a poor in spirit, God, you are almighty. You are everything. I am nothing. I don't matter what you want. That's the only thing that matters. Please tell me what you want me to be. You see, that is one spirit that is, that is very pre prevalent now. I read an article about a family, a parent, all right? You might have read it recently, a few days back. This couple said this, we will never, so now it's taken to this extreme, we will never tell our children what to do. They must totally think for themselves and decide for themselves. They say, well, to what extreme it is now? We, we don't send them to school because school tells them what to do. We don't even want them to have an education because education means we are submitting to the world telling us that people must have education. So my children should not go through education because then they will be letting the world tell them what to do. You must be educated. So they don't send their children to school. And when they do anything in their life, they say as long as you don't disturb the other siblings when they are sleeping, you can do anything. Anything. Now, that is the level of of what the child is smart enough, is clever, has his own wisdom. You, you choose what you want. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise, not even me as your parent. Now, when we begin to imbibe that kind of spirit, we will think we are, we are somebody, we have choice, and we have wisdom, right? Now, you know, once I, I think I shared this before, one of um, someone applied for leave, and then I was approving the leave. I said, wow, three months. I said, this, this goes into no-pay leave. And I asked my employee, I said, why, why are you going back to India for so long? Some family, um, some family crisis. He said, no, I'm going back to get married. I said, wow, well, that's, that's uh, wonderful news for you. I said, oh, okay. So um, how long have you known your wife? I've not known my wife. I said, really? <laughs> I thought he was joking. And he said, yeah, my, my parents found a wife for me. I'm talking about this day and age. I'm talking about a university graduate with an engineering degree. All right? And he said, my parents found a wife for me. I said, okay, tell me more. It was very interesting to me. Um, so he said, well, I'm going back. And I said, well, how, how does your parent um, find a wife for you? He said, well, they know me best. You know, a lot of things we studied in, 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 in uh, courtship, it's so strong in that culture. He said, they, they know me best. And they, they saw me growing up, so, so they know my weaknesses, my strength, they know what I need. So I said, you've never met your wife and you do not know why, what your wife is like. No, no, I trust my parents fully to choose the right person for me. I said, wow, if only believers have that kind of trust in our living God who is infinite in His wisdom. Then I said, well, what? You know, what is, what is in their mind when they choose? What, what would be the kind of thing? Say, oh, they, they would choose what is the best for me. Right, the best. I say, you, you're not worried when you go back? No, because, because it will be the best. I'm just looking forward to it. It was so amazing to hear um, that in this day and age. Parents, I'm not saying you, you do that. In the Bible, you see, yes, there's still the, 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 um, 
the choice asked, they asked, it was asked, right? Would you like to marry this person? It's not forced. But, but you know, he trusted the parents' wisdom. It means he trusted a parent who know, knew him. God knows us best. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows us best. We should know that. God is infinite in his wisdom and infinite in his goodness. Why do we doubt? We should think, I have no wisdom. This person really felt that the parents know him even better than himself. And he was just looking forward to getting married to that person. No struggle. No struggle. Embrace it. So when the Christian learned that attitude, um, we have no struggles at all. At all. Then well, last year I had a colleague who always say this, right? They say, you know, um, Go around asking people, well, you know, do you marry your soulmate? Is your, is your spouse your soulmate? So I said, what, what do you mean soulmate? You know, soulmate, uh, you know, you just understand each other, and then it's like one, and then it's, um, that is, you know that in the universe, that was the one. I said, why do you keep asking that question? I said, well, you know, yeah, I'm married, but I always wonder if there's, my soulmate is out there whether I married the wrong person. In my, mind, I said this, in my mind, I was thinking, this is a very miserable woman. You're married to this person, and you keep wondering, is there something better out there? Something better out there. Now, Christians, that is how we can be as well. Is this job the best? Maybe, you know, am I shortchanged? Is this the best deal? You keep wondering and wondering, and you, when you're working, you just keep, instead of, Settling in God's will and doing God's will, you keep looking out. I'm not saying changing job is sinful, but if it is because you just keep wondering, am I not getting am I getting the best deal or not? You will you live a very miserable life. It's no kingdom on earth, all right? It's quite miserable. Same for parents. Why, why, why is my child this child? You know, maybe could be another child, all right? A better child or a healthier. Uh, my, why is my health like that? You know, it's always, well, trusting that the Lord, you know what is best. You know me best, Lord. If giving me bad health, giving me difficult family is your will, then you know it's best for me. Otherwise, I will go astray. Otherwise, um, I will forget you. So thank you for giving me this thing. You, you know best. Because I do not know. I'm dumb, Lord. And whatever you've given to me, I embrace and I'm so thankful and I just live it out and I just accept what I have. See heaven on earth? Kingdom of heaven on earth? Now, lastly, and this is the ultimate one. Ultimately, when you have the attitude of I'm nobody, I have no choice, I have no wisdom, then you have no regrets. You have no regrets now, you will have no regrets into eternity. Now, Christian, God has a will for you. You must trust that His thoughts towards you, and we studied in our, in our will of God, is his thoughts towards you are always and only good, spiritually good. You must believe that. You must trust that. You must believe that that is the wisdom of God. You have no wisdom, and you should not say, I think I should question, I think I should doubt, I think I should um, reject. God has a will for you. When you walk in his will, that is heaven on earth. But know this, Satan also has a will for you. Please realize that. Satan has a will for you. 
And Satan's will for you is always this. He knows that you are a safe soul and because he knows scriptures, you are a safe soul. You will, if you're genuinely safe, you will never lose your salvation. You are a safe soul. There's nothing he can do to change that will. But what he can do is this. God has a will for you his, and Satan's will for you is a safe soul but a lost life. A safe soul but a lost life. Means he will walk you, want you to walk into Veronica. What will of God? Chastative will. Very good. He will want you to be walking in God's chastative will as much as, much as possible, as often as possible, if possible, your whole life. You see, when you struggle... Instead of saying, I'm nobody, I have no choice, I have no wisdom, and therefore I will walk in what God has ordained for me, and that is the best, and I will embrace it, whether it's preceptive, known will, or whether it is his specific will for your life, and you keep feeling something else is better. Now, you will keep resisting, and you will walk into God's chastity field. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for death is the kingdom of heaven. You will not have the kingdom of heaven. Instead, you will have the kingdom of darkness. That is what he wants. Walk in my kingdom. Although you are safe, walk in my kingdom and I will make your life miserable eventually. You will walk, the Christian who said, I'm nobody, I have no choice, I have no wisdom, he will have no regrets because he will happily walk in God's cooperative will. He will walk in God's cooperative will. What he has ordained for me, I embrace and I walk. In fact, you will feel very blessed. You will feel very blessed. You may find certain things difficult, but you will still feel this is the best and I am very blessed and I will obey it. Now, eventually, it is not just on earth. Do you know that Satan can affect your eternity in heaven? Do you realize that? He can affect your eternity in heaven. How? If you, well, don't keep blaming Satan, you yourself, all right? We ourselves. When we don't think we are nobody, no choice, and no wisdom, this kind of beggarly spirit. When we choose to walk in our own will, perceptive will especially, when you meet God at the Bhima seat, remember I drew that diagram? Your life will be burnt up. Everything that you did on earth will be all just burnt up. And God says, saved as by fire. That's all. Just your soul, that's all. And for the rest of eternity, you will keep realizing that God had a will for you. His thoughts towards you were the best. He had a will for you. And that will was not just about doing His will on earth. God's will for you to do His will on earth is so that your eternity, your eternity will be exactly what He wants you to have into eternity. Please know eternity. Eternity has no end. Forever and ever and ever. So God says, you know, in this tiny little speck of time that you have on earth, this is my will for you. And when you do this, my thoughts towards you are good. The rest of the eternity, this was what I planned for you. And for me to give this to you for the rest of eternity, I, this is what you need to do on earth. But Satan and your flesh, if you, res, if you resist God's will and you submit to Satan's will, yes, you get to do what you want on earth. But Satan will know that for the rest of eternity, you, you, you lose 
exactly what God wants you to have. You lose that forever and ever. Now, understand why God says, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're beggarly and say, I'm nobody, no choice, no wisdom, you will embrace and do God's will joyfully now. And not only you will have the kingdom of heaven now on earth, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Means for eternity, that's exactly, you will be exactly what God wants you to be. Instead of, well, you walked into his chastative will and he has to judge. Those things will have to be burnt out. Now, may God help us to learn to really be poor in spirit. Let us turn to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we pray, O Lord, that we will truly search our own hearts and ask ourselves, do we really believe we are nobody? We have no choice. And that is a wonderful choice because we have no wisdom and therefore your choice, Lord, is always the best choice. And we will never struggle with your will, but instead we will know what it is to have your kingdom on earth with us as we walk in your will. Lord, meet with us in the place of prayer we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.